When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello there, I'm Giles Brandreth and I'm with my friend Susie Dent. And today we're going to talk about boxing, about horse racing, about darts. But don't worry, if you're not interested in any of those, Susie will be coming in later with three new or unusual or interesting words to share with us. We'll also be dealing with some of your correspondence. And Susie will be doing most of the talking, but I will chip in occasionally with a bit of name dropping. And given that sports is on the agenda this week, I was reflecting what privileged lives you and I both lead. Because by virtue of our day-to-day existence, we meet interesting and remarkable people. Who do you think this week is the most interesting person you have met in the past seven days since we were last together? I did sit next to Dan Walker, the lovely Dan Walker from BBC Breakfast and, of course, all sorts of sports programmes. Well, there we are. um, This week, and it's always great fun. He's so tall, though. Anyone looks like a just little shrimp next to him, Uh, especially me. We We had a countdown photo taken in which Rachel, looking... Fairly pregnant, shall we say, was standing next to me and Dan Walker and it was just a very funny sight. I looked tiny, Dan looked huge and Rachel just looked round, but beautiful. Well, I take your Dan Walker. And you. And I raise (laughs) my David Beckham. Oh, my goodness. There we are. That is something for a sporting There we are. Um, Yes. On Monday of this week, I don't quite know why I was asked because I'm not really a fashion icon, but I was asked with my wife, and maybe that was why we were asked, to Victoria Beckham's shop mm. in um, in the West End of London, mm. in Dover Street, off Piccadilly. And out of curiosity, we went. We certainly didn't go to buy anything, because I imagine the items are very expensive. They are, I have to say. I they? covet her. Some of her stuff is beautiful, but, it but is. Yeah, really now, expensive. The re- now, what surprised Several things surprised me. The first thing is that she was there, welcoming us, petite, beautiful, young-looking, Really nice. I'd met her before years ago and it was exciting. And anyway, so I was thrilled, first of all, to see her. And then I was thrilled by the shop, how normal it was, very stylishly done, great staircase sweeping up. And then how attractive the clothes were, great hanger appeal. Really, really nice. Mm. But then, so I thought, well, this is a good start. There's hardly anybody here. It's just me, the champagne, the canapé and and VB. And then in came... Uh, yeah, David with their children. There's, there's, uh, which is that? What are they Brooklyn? called? Brooklyn. There's Brooklyn. There's, is it Par- No, Brooklyn. Uh, Romeo. Is one of them called Romeo? Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, the children were there and David was there. And what was interesting about David is, uh, A, that he was smaller and slimmer than I expected. Hmm. He was compact, 
looking so stylish. And uh, the tattoos were not very evident because he was wearing a very sharp suit with quite long cuffs. And anyway, uh, he was delightful. So I am now actually hooked on You're the Beckhamite. Beckhams. So, so we're going to talk about not football. That's for another day. Boxing. Boxing has given words to the language. Yeah, I'm quite keen on, on taking up boxing, actually. I just, just as one of the things, I've dabbled in quite a few different sports, um, but I need to find one that I'm really passionate about. For a while it was um, sculling, so rowing with two oars, um, but that was quite Why is it called sculling, by the way? Because the oars are called skulls. Why are they called skulls? I think it's from, I think it's a Viking word. Um, I think I will, I will check on that. But yeah, I like the idea of boxing. Um, I have to say anyway, so many expressions. People do have reservations about boxing. Yes. No, I'm not talking about beating someone's face up. I'm just talking about kind of kickboxing or just sort of, you know, that that more of the sort of keep fit type. Dancing around the ring, but wearing the gloves and sort of punching people. Yeah, maybe just a punch bag. Yeah. Or you. So some of the expressions that we have (laughs) are really obvious ones. Saved for the Say by the bell, um, out for the count, blow by blow account of something, um, having a fighting chance, ducking and diving. Um, but there are some so surprises as well. Um, so you might talk about something being the real McCoy, if you ever mm-hmm. wondered who Mr. McCoy was. I did. Um, well, there was an American boxer from the um, 1890s and he used the name Kid McCoy and he was hugely popular is he American? and triumphant in America. Kid McCoy. Kid McCoy. But there was so there are many stories about how there were so many imitators of him that when he himself fought, he called himself the real Kid McCoy. Like on Twitter, people say the real Donald Trump, as if anybody would want to be <laughs> an imposter. Yeah. But that's, that's the same thing. So that's one of the theories. But... There is a more likely origin, and that is it comes from an ad slogan for a whiskey that was called um, Mackay's Whiskey. Mm. Incredibly uh, popular in about the same time, about the 1870s. And they used a slogan in their ads, the real Mackay, a drop of the real Mackay. Okay. Yeah. The drop of the real Mackay. Um, and so it's possible that these two stories kind of conflated. They got they got mixed together. So the real Mackay and the real Kid McCoy, somehow their stories merged. And that's how we ended up with the idea of a he's the real McCoy. It's amazing. We use phrases that we don't even know. Well, that's the point of something rhymes with purple. So that's boxing. That's boxing. And in early bare-knuckle boxing, um, a line would be scratched in the ground, sort of midway between the two fighters. Um, and one was knocked down. He would be given 30 seconds to stand up. So this might sound all familiar. And you'd have to return to the scratch. The scratch was the line. Oh. So to start from scratch possibly goes back to that. It also We also know that a scratch was a line scratched in the ground in horse races. And if the horses veered off track, they'd have to start again from the scratch. So it definitely is sporting origin to start from scratch, back to scratch. It's a scratch in the line. You're yeah. either starting from that scratch yeah. or in the boxing match, you've been knocked over and you've got to go back to the scratch, yeah. which is where you begin the bout. Yeah. Um, throwing one's hat into the ring. Uh, we were talking the other day about having a chip on one's shoulder, which... <laughs> may go back to um, the idea of picking up a piece of wood chip from the ground, placing it on your shoulder to signal that you were ready for a fight in um, uh, North America, sort of frontier land. Um, Well, to throw one's hat into the ring signalled in the days of prize fighting that you were willing to take on a challenge and that you would enter the fray. You literally did it. You you said, I'm ready for this. In the days when people wore hats. You indicated it. Yeah. 
So, so many, so many. I mean, he can run, but he can't hide. Um, that was obviously one of the phrases um, from boxing used by Joe Lewis, I think, of his opponent, Billy Conn, who boasted he could run rings round him. So that kind of whole pre-match hype has even given us some expressions. Well, when we were younger, there was Muhammad Ali, also known as Cassius Clay for yeah. a while. stings like a butterfly. Yeah. No. And- yeah. Well, no, what's he do? Like a butterfly and stings like a bee. Flies like a butterfly, stings Dances like a bee. Dances like a butterfly, does he? No, he fly- flew. He flew like a butterfly. Floats. <laughs> Thank God. Thank. We, we have, have our team here. Brain. This is Lawrence. Uh, what is the phrase again? Floats like a butterfly. Yeah, apparently stings, stings like, like a, a butterfly as well, if I had my way. Mm. Sorry about that. Floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee. It's interesting. These turns of phrase just come part and parcel of the language. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, so, so many, yeah, have come into English from boxing and horse racing as well. I should just say here that I don't really agree with horse racing. I don't know how you feel about it. Just things like the Grand National I just make me flinch because uh, there's just a lot of well, fatality I'm a, and, and yeah. carnage, isn't there? I'm a great animal lover. Me too. And I'm a vegetarian and I love animals. I, I know horses do, they seem to quite like being ridden. They seem to quite like racing. Mm. The one thing I do know is that the uh, the race course is one of the most egalitarian places in the world. All human life is there and you get all types, all classes, all ages, all sorts of people will go there, literally from, from the monarch mm. to uh, every, everybody is there. So that's quite nice. No, and I've been to Old Windsor Racecourse, which is absolutely beautiful. I remember seeing Albert Finney there and being incredibly excited. Oh, I'm pleased you're name dropping now. Good. Oh, no, I didn't say hello to him. He was just from, yeah, I just looked at him from afar. But um, yeah, it's just something that just doesn't sit right with me. But I have to say from an English point of view, we should be very grateful because you mentioned racecourse, horses for courses, obviously. That's an obvious one. You need to match a horse to to the track it's suited to. Um, your horse might be running on the inside track. Um, you might be on the fast track. Um, all of those. We don't really think about Is horse fast racing. track the same? Fast, uh, track? fast tracking something, yeah, probably does go back to that idea because I think it predates motor racing and things. Um, it goes back to that idea of. Or possibly greyhound racing because I can yeah. see those little. Another, those yeah. rabbits. Go, though greyhounds are the most beautiful creatures. They are. It's and, just what happens to them afterwards, isn't it? Well. Not? I've done a few things, charity things, for the retired greyhounds. Yeah, with uh, you. Uh, well, it's a pleasure because I have to tell you, the most lovely dog is a greyhound. And people think they require a huge amount of exercise. They don't. No. And they are so affectionate and easy. Mm. I uh, could just say, if we're throwing in charities, I've been doing stuff for guide dogs, actually, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But also, fantastic charity called Dogs on the Streets. And I went and joined them on a really rainy, wet, miserable night um, near home the other day. And they basically look after the dogs of the truly homeless and give them food, oh, coats, um, veterinary care, give soup to those, um, you know, to, to the homeless themselves. And they're just, I mean, they're lifelines, these dogs, to um, to many of these people. It's just the best charity ever. So dogs on the streets, I salute you. Anyway. Get back to the horse track. Get back to the horses. Um, so we talked about being up to scratch, um, etc. That, again, can be applied to um, horse racing. Riding roughshod over something. If a horse is going over slippery terrain, it can be roughshod. So that's shod with the nails projecting outwards to give the horse a better grip. I've got the whip um, hand. Turn up for the books. Whip hand, exactly. Turn whip up for the books. Turn up for the book. That's um, from racing, we think, because a book is a record of bets laid on a race, so kept by the bookie, the bookkeeper. Bookies could often go out of business spectacularly if a well-backed horse won. So sometimes they could go bankrupt in a single 
race meet, I guess. And so what they needed was the reverse for an unfancied horse with no bets placed on it to romp home. And sometimes, sometimes, bookies and horse owners would work together and the owners would allow a champion horse to run under a completely different name and then win, beat the field and save the bookies business. So that was a turn up for the bookies books. And that horse could be called a ringer. Um, A dead ringer actually began in horse racing. Nothing to do with ringing bells once you're buried alive. And of course, that horse that was um, uh, riding under a different name was a dark horse. That's where we get that from as well. So winning hands down, winning hands down as well. Sounds like an image from poker, but it's the idea of a jockey who's in front can relax his hold on the reins and let the horse sort of... Do its own thing. Winning hands down. So you yeah. put your hands down, you're not putting Winning it. Winning hands down is you've got such an easy margin that you can relax a little bit. Relax Wonderful. the reins. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I mean, just so many. Cantering. Um, canter began as a shortened form of Canterbury Pace or Canterbury Gallop, which was the pace at which mounted pilgrims would make their way to the shrine of St. Thomas of Becket at Canterbury in the Middle Ages. So cantering is all about Canterbury. But that is interesting because cantering is quite fast. I know. It's not that leisurely, is it? Because if you think, if at school you did the Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer, which is how most people are introduced, I suppose, if they are at all, to the idea of the pilgrimage to Canterbury, um, you think of them in a leisurely way, trotting at most Mm. along the road, Mm. telling stories to one another. I agree. But if they're going at a canter, wow. Well, you can have a sort of fairly gentle canter, I suppose. Anyway, that's where it comes from. Good. Ask me not the reason why. And a steeplechase, um, the original steeple was, a steeplechase was one that had a church steeple in view as the end goal. So it would go over all the countryside's traditional obstacles like fences and ditches and ponds and always with that steeple ahead. Well, look, we're getting all these phrases straight from the horse's mouth. (laughs) Very good. Is that a gambling expression, as it were? The horse himself has told you he's going to win. Is that what that original Absolutely is? Absolutely right. In the horse race, yeah. If you hear it from the horse, you know you're all right. Good. Well, if you hear it from Susie Dent, you know it's true. Whatever she says, fact. <laughs> Let's have a break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. You've been boasting, Susie, about your friendship with Dan Walker. I've not been boasting. You <laughs> asked me you. who I was sitting next to. I was just teasing And I you. love Dan. And I used to love Jim Bowen. Oh, yeah. He was a schoolteacher. 
and who became famous for a darts program called Bullseye. Yeah. And he was great fun to be with. And I think he lived in a railway station, in a converted railway station. Cool. Anyway, he was a good guy. And he tried to get me interested in darts. He did not succeed. I right. liked him. The whole world of darts is a strange world to me. Mm. I don't even understand the language. But has it contributed from the dartboard into the world beyond? Well, this is one where actually I think that the kind of vocabulary has pretty much stayed on the board and in the darts room. I, I'm with you. I used to have a darts board in, in my garage as I was growing up um, and used to love it. But I was not immersed in the whole um, vocabulary. But what a vocabulary it is. I mean, it's incredible. The hockey. Yeah, that's a really strange one. And it's inspired so many stories as to where it comes from. Some people believe it to stem, and I love this story, from when the throwing line was marked by three beer crates which were branded with the logo of a brewery, Hockey and Sons, which I love. Mm. Um, but the OED, which is my Bible, as you know, suggests that it's a corruption of the hog line used in curling um, that a stone has to cross in order to count and maybe a reference to the laziness of the pig. I mean, it's quite convoluted, all of this. I prefer the brewery hockey and sons so that's the one but that nobody I, knows nobody the really, hockey. really knows and it's spelled oh C-H-E. simple as that and yeah. you must be on the hockey and not be on the edge of it yeah to be valid for your exactly, throw to be valid to start but honestly the equipment has got you know it's got its own lexicon as you would expect um the house is the double or triple zone the bed is any scoring segment of the of the board but it's the scores that are so wonderful i mean where else but darts would a rubber which is the final game of a match be called the prophylactic well brilliant much of the lingo comes from the east end big ben is a 10 beehives is a double five um two whores not good double four bed and breakfast um, which is 26 from three darts, which is based on apparently the standard price of B&B in England in the early 20th century. So that was two shillings and sixpence. Oh, wow. 26. That's good, isn't it? Um, and then you've got the bug button, the bunghole. You've got all the varieties, which I love, which is a score of 57, because that's from the ad slogan of Heinz. All the varieties. What's a trombone? Um, oh, I don't know. Tell me, what's a trombone? A t- 76 oh. points. I've got it here in my book. As in 76 trombones in the big parade. It's a What's song. That from? Is it? It's a oh, song. Okay. The show's called The Music Man. Oh, I just throw these things in. I know quite a lot, but I, people prefer to hear it from you. No, I don't think that's true. Um, oh, Annie's Room. Annie's Room is a lost cause, apparently. Quite a sad story attached to this because the player has nowhere to go but double one. And it's said to originate in the First World War when somebody up in Annie's Room was whereabouts unknown, missing in action. It's quite sad, isn't These it? These are nice phrases, but intriguingly, not many of them have gone beyond the hockey. They've stayed mm. close to the dark I think board. I think that's true. Horse racing has given us more. Uh, I think that's very true. Um, the shouts in darts, mind the waiter, or father's boots, or webby, or moccasins are all warnings to a player whose toes are over the hockey. Oh, that's nice. Um, and, and also just taunting jibe. So one implying a throw is making a girly shot is ladies and children halfway. Don't approve that one either. We don't. But it's, it's brilliant. I th- and a cuckoo is my favourite, a dart that lands in the wrong bed. I like that. A cuckoo, a <laughs> dart that lands in the wrong bed. Do you still have it in your garage? I don't have a garage anymore. Oh. Gone of those days. What, what's happened to the, the dartboard? No idea. This is when I was about 12. No idea. We might clamber up into the roof. It may be upstairs. It, have you got a, an attic? I've got a loft. I will challenge you to a game of darts. In my loft. In, well, no, no, we'll bring it down. We'll okay. bring it down because you need a bit of a distance. 
Yeah. Okay. It's time now for our listeners' questions. And who's been in touch with us this week and what have they had to say? Robin Hoyles, enjoy the podcast. Have you considered doing something on the harm done to the English language by football? In fact, you could probably do a whole program just on Glenn Hoddle's onslaught on <laughs> English as we know it. I used to write for a Hinge and Bracket. Remember them? There's a lovely drag act. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dame uh, Hilda Brackett always said her ideal holiday was going up Glen Hoddle. Um, <laughs> but that would exclude my personal favourite, bounce back ability. Oh, that's yeah, clever. there was a big campaign to get that in the dictionary. Uh, coined by Ian Dowie when he was manager of Crystal Palace, my yeah. team, as we had a habit of winning from losing positions. It even became a regular chant. It did get into the dictionary eventually, but not oh. through the petition, just through use. Bounce yeah. back ability. Yeah. Um, I've got one from Suzanne Bays who asks about the origin of rucksack. She says, is it, is it a sack in which to keep rucks? Uh, which is quite interesting. And the answer is no. It comes from the German ruck or rückensack, which is um, which means backpack, literally. Um, but she also asks about duffel coats. And she was just wondering about those. That goes back to the Dutch duffel which is um, a province of Antwerp in Belgium where cloth, thick woolen cloth, was made, um, well, it has been made since the 15th century. Brittany Tenhage writes, I have a quick question for you both. I've been playing baseball this summer and I got used to being told to slug it whenever I got up to bat. This made me wonder, how did using the word slug or slugger in relation to sport come about? Hmm. Answer is, I genuinely don't know. I mean, it's quite a sort of forceful word, isn't it? To slug something. Well, it's interesting because the slug, the animal, is actually rather a slow creature yeah. on the ground. It's slug, you know. And you accuse somebody of being a slug abed, lazing I in love bed. That. I so love that. you have at one hand slug meaning something that is sluggish, which is yeah. slow, and other slug as though you're fighting. So what's the origin? In the sense of a sluggard, it goes back to Norwegian dialect, slug, a large, heavy body. Ah. Um, a slug of whiskey is probably the same word, but to slug someone is not, and is related to slog. Um, and we don't know the origin of that. Slog, right. as in hard labour? Yeah. So and we don't idea, know the origin of the origin a slug? We don't know slog, but it sounds very onomatopoeic to me. It's heavy slog. Slog, slug, yeah. Don't you think? I, I, no, I mean, it's I not don't... satisfied, listeners. No, but uh, that's only because I'm here to question, you know. We don't Do want, you? We don't want easy answers. No, always. What question. intrigues me is how many words we really don't know. Even, you know, people at the OED really research these things. Oh, we're always, always, always looking. So the work goes on and that's that's the joy of being a word detective. And sometimes in the, in the lexicographical community, there is, um, you know, there's a real sense of excitement because someone has finally worked out where hot dog originated, for example. Oh, just just give us a little bit of a buzz. Where did hot dog? Oh, hot dog began on American campuses. We've just found the sort of first record, so about 150 years old, and it was just a joking, malicious joke about the meat that was served up in these sausages, in these kind of vans that would come and stop near the campuses. It tasted like a hot dog. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it began as a sort of nasty rumour. A term of abuse, as it were. This Pretty is so much. revolting. It's like heated... Heated dog meat. Um Yes, exactly. Um, do you remember somewhere called Scarpa Flow? Scarp, I know about Scarpa Flow. I think it's a body of water up somewhere near the Orkney Islands. And, of course, there was the terrible defeat during the Second World War. 74 German ships 
were gutted at, at Scarpa Flow. They were scuttled, yeah, the horrible um, memories. I say the Second World War, I think it was the First, first World, World War, War. Yeah. Scarpa Flow. Anyway, yeah. is, is that was, to do with Scarpa? It is to do with scarpering, because to Scarpa was rhyming slang for go, so Scarpa Flow, go. That was Gosh. a question from Drew Hales. Um, thank you very much, Drew, for sending that one in. So that dates from the First World War, yeah. from... Scarpa flow and the sinking, the destroying of the German fleet. Yeah, to go was the Scarpa flow. It was How amazing. Um, I mentioned Drew. He's got a, he's got a favour to ask of you, Giles. He yes. says I'd like to share also a Geordie gem of a phrase with you, which is Hadaway and shite. What? Can you do a Geordie accent? Uh, remind me how it goes. Which is Geordie? Geordie. It's Newcastle. Lawrence, how do you how would you say Hadaway and shite? This is Hadaway I love and shite. Hadaway and oh, shite. Oh, I do it now. Hadaway and shite. Hadaway and shite. I watch. He wanted you to say it. I have to say, Hadaway and shite. Hadaway and shite. Well, that is basically your new term for something balderdashy and piffly. Hadaway and shite. Yeah. Hadaway and shite. Help, Uh, stop. No. Um, Thank you, Lawrence. He went to Newcastle Uni. Hadaway and shite. If you enjoyed Giles and. Do you know what we could do with this programme? Hold on. We haven't given your trio of words yet. I know, I keep doing this. What we could do, if we recorded these on separate tracks. Then people could have a button and they could turn one or other of us off and they could just hear me saying for 20 minutes, Hadaway and shite. Hadaway and shite. That's definitely Irish. (laughs) I'll do do my Welsh version now. Oh, boy, Hadaway and shite. No, I can't get that. Give it to us again. I don't know if I can do it. No, it was great. Hadaway and shite. Hadaway and shite. Hadaway and shite. Well, thank you so much for listening today um, and thank you for staying till the very end. End. It's not the end until the slim lady has given trio. us her trio of wonderful words. I what are they this week? Trio. Okay. Well, if you have an irrational fondness for saying things like Hadaway and shite, um, you have an engouement. So I'm putting in a French word there. Engouement. It's a bit pretentious maybe, but I like it. So I have an engouement for what would be an irrational fondness? Cheesecake for breakfast maybe? An irrational fondness, an engouement. 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 An engouement. An irrational fondness for something. Yeah. Um, my second one. Um, some people may like to connect the next verb to a particular person, to gove in, uh, not old English, but quite a few centuries ago, is to stare stupidly. Oh, how interesting. To stare stupidly. Hmm. And do you think that is the origin of the surname, Gove? No, I don't think it is, actually. It was also known as gorming, which will account for gormless and that kind of thing. To go. To go. To stare stupidly, yes. And my final one, which is perhaps appropriate for getting to the end of this podcast, to noggle, old dialect, for achieving something with difficulty. Oh, he noggled away at it. Or you could just say, I couldn't get out of bed this morning, but I just about noggled it. Very good. Well, we could barely get through this programme. We just about <laughs> noggled it, didn't we? Oh, now give us a review and help us spread the word about Something Rhymes with Purple. And if you've got a question you'd like us to answer uh, or you just want to get in touch to get interesting local phrases spoken to you in dialect <laughs> by me, uh, I'll give it a go. You can also email us uh, at uh, it's purple at something, 
somethingwithoutag.com. That's something without a G. And husband. can I just say, all the wonderful tweets that I've had asking me questions, I will get to those as well. I've got so many to come to. You've got hundreds to come I to. Have. Can I say hundreds? Don't make promises you can't keep. What no, was that what? phrase again? The phrase I've got to do? What's it, shite? Hadaway. Hadaway and shite. Hadaway and shite. Okay, you give the closing credits. I think mine sound is cottage too. Yes, closing credits are Something Rhymes with Purple is a Something Else production produced by Paul Smith, Lawrence Bassett, thank you, Lawrence, for your help today, Steve Ackerman, and Gully Hadaway and Shite. Oh, it has indeed been a load of Hadaway and Shite. Hadaway and Shite. That's West Country now. <laughs> is it? Oh, well, there we, we are. Oh, we haven't done an American version. And we are international. Oh, I ought to explain that. We are international. We are global. We have listeners all over the world. And we can see from the map what countries they come from. That's it's amazing. amazing where people listen to this. Even some people up on the edge of Scarpa Flow have been enjoying being mentioned. And if you come from America, he are Hadaway and Shite. My God, Hadaway and Shite. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.